I made, I broke so many laws. I made a 15 minute drive, like 42 minutes. Oh my God. How did you do that? You know that section through Carlisle where it's 55 miles an hour, where it drops from 65 to 55? Yeah. I didn't slow down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say how fast I was driving to begin with, but I didn't slow down. (laughs) I've seen people get in a lot of trouble for that one. Oh, I know. I know. Same here. Like... I was being dumb, but I was being smart about being dumb, if that makes any sense. It does. On the way back, though, that 55-minute drive took almost an hour and five minutes because people don't know what the left lane is for and what the right lane is for. <laughs> they're, going, they're going slow in the wrong lane, so people are trying to pass on the right, but there are semi-trucks that come up, so people are having to slam on their brakes on the right-hand side because people can't be patient. I'm so messed up with what side is the passing lane, though, because over here it's the other lane. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, what helps, what helps over there is that it's not just the lanes that are crossed, it's steering wheels on the other side. Exactly. So if you just flip it in your brain, if you just, like, do, like, a Photoshop trick where you just, like, flip the orientation of the picture, that's yep. all you have to do for you. Well, I thought originally they were, like, super smart and onto something. Because I was like, oh, shit. Like, the Brits, the way that they're doing it is that, like, the driver isn't towards the middle of the lane. Because then if they get into a head-on accident, it's not the driver that gets hurt. It's either the nobody in the passenger seat or the passenger. But, no, they they switched all of it, which makes no sense to me. Let's talk about movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Do you have to watch this podcast? Uh, I, I'm, I'm Ryan, and I'm Devin, and, and and that's Devin. And we totally didn't do our normal stick, but that's okay. No, no, um, I stopped it. Our thing here is we make each other watch movies that at least one of us has never seen before. So kind of like a movie book club, if you will. Normally, Alan is here, but this week is goofy. Uh, we normally do live shows on Tuesday uh, evenings at 6 p.m. Obviously, this is a Wednesday at like 3.16. So <laughs> goofy things happen. So we so we re- so we responded in a goofy way. Um so Alan, unfortunately, cannot be with us today. Uh, so we had to change the movie that we were going to do. And I tried to keep it topical. And I just started reading Dune because I bought this. Uh, oh, this was did. a gift from my wife for our anniversary because I've always wanted to, to read this book ever since I saw the original movie like a, f- a few years ago. Um, and so she got this thing that has all the sequel books. Oh, you it? sweet summer child. Yeah, so it's got like Children of Dune it, and Messiah. Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be, after I read the like 1,000 page original. Hi. Okay. After I read the <laughs> 1,000 page original, I'm going to get into that. So I was telling Devin about this, and Devin mentioned that he'd never seen the 1984 Dune movie. Um,. And this is probably a good thing that Alan is not on the show, because if there's one director that Alan can't stand, it's this one, this one. So, you know, we try not to we try to not annoy each other too much, (laughs) but uh, 
the Dune night night uh night uh the Dune that came out in 1984 um was directed by and my phone's being slow uh, david lynch there we go yeah uh, uh was uh, is it david lynch would you stop albie i'm sorry he's exploring and anyway. well, we've we've got a lot of cats on the show today which i'm not mad about by the way if you're yes, watching us live you can see ryan's cat walk through the background and my cat very much asleep on the bed yeah. we welcome <laughs> it here we welcome the chaos there are sandworms so you've got um and it, it it came out in 1984, so uh, it's a very heavy sci-fi film that's got mid-1980s graphics in it, and it is extremely corny. The first time I ever saw it, uh, to be honest, I really wasn't that big of a fan. I just thought it was silly. Um, and then I got it. That's 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 when I was like, you know, I really want to read this book. Um, and then I saw it again recently. Uh, a few months ago, and I'm like, you know, this isn't that bad. It's just really corny. You're back. Okay. Um, I said that, you know, when I saw it again for the second time, I was like, you know, this isn't bad. It's just really corny. And I d- decided to go through the movie with that mindset. And I'm like, you know, I really like this as kind of like a, you know, like a light, funny movie to watch. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, as as which is a completely different take than than I have on Dune Part One that came out a few years ago. I recently just rewatched that last night, and I have to say that that jumped to probably one of my top thirty favorite movies. No way. Yeah, like like okay. ju- just taking it as a film, mm-hmm. and I have opinions about movies that come from books, and that. I don't think a lot of people share the same type of view I have on it, so we can get into that, too. I can't wait. Okay, so, um, Devin, you had not seen the 1984 Dune, right? I have never seen any adaptation of Dune. I've read the book. I've read the first book. Hold on, before we keep going, Ryan, how many Dune books are there? Uh, As far as I know, there's three. There are 25. God. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... Frank Herbert's children took over the series after he passed away, and boy, okay. did they take over the series. The three that you have right now are the three core ones, arguably. Okay. There's the other three that like are also worth a read. The rest of them, like the rest of the 19 books, I don't know that many people appreciate, but know that there are that many books. That's fine. I mean... If I end up turning into what I'm going to start calling a dune head, then like I'll read them, but I hope you become a dune head. Oh, uh, we'll have to compare <laughs> notes. Oh gosh. Okay, so um just a quick yes or no, have you seen so then you have not seen the the new part 1 dune? No, I've not. No. Okay. We're going to we're going to put put a pin in that and Good, okay. keep on going. So uh what 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 was your history what did you know about the 1984 dune and then at the end of that what did you so what did you initially think of it (laughs) okay so i know that i i know that like this movie in particular is pretty infamous in terms of like this shouldn't have been a scott lynch movie like or scott lynch david lynch am i talking yeah dave lynch shouldn't have been a david lynch movie this movie should have gone to someone else and apparently almost had gone to someone else and David Lynch got it for some reason. 
Um, I heard that like I, I heard like weird background stories from the set where like I heard that like Sir Patrick Stewart just Sir Patrick Stewarted his way onto the the movie where like he wasn't actually meant to be like to have such a big part, and then he was like I'm fish now, and they're like Well, no, you're not. He's like yes, I am. I'm here, and like that was all that happened. And they're like I guess he's here now, and they just made him. I think he's Duncan. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I do have to say... Oh, he's Gurney, sorry. Yeah, he's Gurney. Just to interrupt you for a quick second. Yeah. I'm happy that happened, simply for the shot of him holding the French bulldog, leading the troops <laughs> into battle. Just for that, just, just, just for that one little shot. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that happened. <laughs> That's totally fair. So, my history with Dune... The movie is basically that. My history with Dune as a source material is I had first tried to listen to the audiobook of it probably yeah. about five years ago because I'm old. Um, and all the thing I couldn't get over about it was how many proper nouns they throw at you the entire time. So a good example of what I think Dune is is in the first scene of the book, slash maybe third scene of this movie, a member of the Bene Gesserits brings a Gomjabar to test this person who will later be called Muad'Dib to see if he's the Kizwas Hatterach. Like, yeah. those are four <laughs> very big, very much made-up words that, like, sometimes it feels like you need a dictionary to parse through some of this stuff. Yeah, and. Oh boy, like I, I couldn't get through it the first time I had listened to the audiobook. I took a step back, I bought the physical copy, the same edition of the book that you have, it just didn't come in the three-pack, and it clicked. Eventually I was like, okay, I get that they're called Benny Gesserit, that's what these things are, there's going to be a Gom Jabbar, and a Kishwas Hatterach, and there's going to be a Muad'Dib, and there's going to be the Weirding Way, and this is going to be strange, and I just got to lean into it. And then it's like you, where like, you kind of... You like it clicked with you that it was camp and that like yeah, you yeah. gotta lean into it. I was like, yeah, man, this is like Flash Gordon. Like this is like sci-fi of that era. This is good stuff because it's like that. Yeah, and yeah. if you really take Dune on its own terms and you don't expect like the kind of epic storytelling that you get now, or then I think you'll really enjoy it. So knowing that going into the movie, I'll give my reaction to the movie then. I guess. Okay. I don't know how anybody who doesn't and hasn't read Dune understands a thing about this movie. <laughs> I think that exposition is delivered in such a clunky way, and there's so much to explain mm -hmm. that, like, oh my gosh, I, I, I will, I will definitely watch it again. I think that Scott, or I think I keep calling him Scott Lynch, David Lynch. I think that David Lynch, like, I don't think he understood why people like Dune at all. I think he went, I have to turn this book into a movie. Let's film the important scenes. Here's 30 of them. I filmed them. Go. <laughs> and, like, that's all the care that was given this movie. Like, nothing that's good about Dune is in this movie, I think. Okay. But Dune is in the movie, and we can yeah. talk about that later. Okay, so, um, that's... I really wasn't... I really didn't know what to expect from your reaction to this. So, yeah. I'm... So, from... From me liking this movie from a camp perspective, I'm happy to hear that. Oh, yeah, 100%.
I mean, the first time they turned on their little, like, laser shield things, and they just turned into block men, I could not <laughs> stop laughing. Like, in the books, those things are so elegantly described as, like, a very thin layer of mesh that covers your body in a very tight yeah. and very interesting... And David Lynch was like, it's blocks now! And, like, that's just how it was. <laughs> yeah, the, um... In 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 the new movie, when when they turn it on, mm-hmm. they kind of do a in between. So mm-hmm. what it is, it's like there's there's almost like a blue light wave that yeah. like covers over the body, and then it just disappears, and then you don't know it's there until they get hit, and then it lights up in the spot that they were hit. Yeah, that's what I pictured when I read the book. Like yeah. that's almost exactly how the book describes it. Yeah. So in 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 the new movie they go from being um looking like 1980s computer animated block characters yeah. to yeah. like you know the way that it's described um but they the, look like animated robolox is what they yeah. look like or alpha robolox um, yeah but to to, to 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 get to your point about the, they throw a lot of nouns at you yeah you see where this bookmark is <laughs> yeah so just uh, just people watching i lost well i didn't lose the book it was i couldn't get to it for about two weeks because i left it somewhere um so this was as far as i got before i left it where i did Mm -hmm. um and in this tiny little section i spent half of my time going back to the glossary yeah yeah (laughs) to like get things because like it's not just that like they also talk about like like the the green orthodox catholic bible and i'm like what's the green orthodox catholic bible like what's that and then like it has to do it has to do with like the space guild and the ben jesuit and all this other stuff but anyway okay so i'm happy to hear about uh what you said about the movie um so one of the reasons why one of one of the, the, the things that drew me into this one is that um I should say I give it a lot of birth, uh, width or birth or distance, whatever runway, whatever. all of it. Yeah, I I give it a lot of space simply because it was made in 1984 and because of who made it. So I give it like a lot of like slack. Um, but one of the things that I do really like about it is the inner monologue. Oh, the whispers that they do yeah the whispers. Oh. I, I i honestly do kind of like that okay um and i don't know why it's something that i've seen in a lot of uh not a lot that i've seen in some 80s movies and i honestly do kind of like it because it's it's really hard to take a book and transform it into a movie because it's two completely different art mediums it's two completely different ways of telling a story mm-hmm and that's where my view on m- movies that are based on books, that's where a lot of my views come from that. So mm-hmm. whenever I hear about, you know, oh, there's a book that was turned into a movie and the people that read the book don't like it. My first thought is, well, of course, they're not going to like it because they know the whole story. And you and, you know, unless you take Dune and turn it into like a five season, 25 episode per season show, you can't cover everything. You're right. You're definitely right. I think that there are instances in which that's not the case. 
And I think those prove to be more the exception that proves the rule than anything else. I think that a good example would be Shawshank Redemption. I think that's miles better than the book. I think that something like Fight Club, while I did like the book, I think is better in a movie in movie form. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know what's weird? I liked the Godfather movie more than I liked the Godfather book, and that probably means that, like, you have to take my man card away now. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, I, I like that a lot. But, yeah, there's... There are some very notable exceptions, but that's fair because in a book or in a movie... Oh, and The Martian. Sorry, The Martian's also a really good one. Um, yeah. In a movie, you have to cut some plot. You have to yeah. cut some characters. You have to mix characters. You have to... I think the thing with this, for me, is that they didn't really cut much. What they cut was like... So the thing I like the most about Dune is that there's a lot of interpersonal relationship going on. Mm-hmm. And what the movie felt like it was missing was that interpersonal relationship growing in a realistic way. And I think especially when Paul meets the the people that live out in the desert in Dune, they're like, ah, look at you. We're going to kill him. He's this awful person. Oh, he knows the weirding way. Now he's our leader. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, none of this. Like, And, and then they were like best buds after like three yeah. minutes. And he's like, my name is a killing word for them, which like all of that happens in the book, but yeah. it takes a very long time. And that's going to be most of what that very thick book you're reading is, is yeah. realistically growing those relationships, which is what I like the most in books. And I understand that some of that has to be cut. Like you can't have hours and hours of like them staring into Paul's eyes and going, Muhadib. like you can't do that. But like, it meant, like a lot of the pacing felt so very rushed to me, I think, because of that. And a lot of relationships like like didn't didn't seem like they stuck. Like he was like, Ah, it's the lady from my dreams. Now we're making out. Yeah, so to touch on that point, because that's a perfect thing for for me. Yeah. One of one of the things that I just assumed when mm-hmm. watching this movie was that there was a lot of stuff that had to do with 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 the uh Furman. Um oh, yeah. Because of how quick things went. It was almost like David Lynch spent so much time going, okay, this is a huge universe. I need to like plant who, you know, who, uh, who, uh, who the Atreides are. I need to plant who the space guild is. I need to plant who the Bengenerate is. I need to plant who the, but Hookerman, who, who, Harkonnen. Harkonnen are, you know, who the Baron is. Um, And it was almost like once all of that was set, he was like, okay, we can just steam through everything else. (laughs) I mean, kind of. And yeah. And that plus that relationships particularly, because Mm -hmm. I don't remember her going, he's the man from my dreams. I don't, I don't remember her doing that. He did it. So, so, hmm. He did it. it was, yeah, in yeah. the movie, it so, was just him. Yeah, it was just him. And so, like, they do some montage stuff in the movie, which is classic for the 80s. And I guess that that's supposed to be, like, marking the time yeah. um, of, like, showing things, like, growing and growing and growing. But there wasn't any montage of any, like, angst against him. It was, like, it was like from from the second, you know, like the weirding way they like bowed and there wasn't any conflict between him and anyone else. They just accepted mm-hmm. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, there's there's stuff here that's missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I know it's missing because there's no context to any of this when there was context to literally everything else for the first half of the movie. In direct conflict with that, what you're going to get when you read that book is you're going to spend chapters upon chapters with the Fremen, and then all of a sudden they're going to pull back, and you're going to get a chapter about like this space guild, about the Harkonnens, about the Atreides, about the wider galactic conflict that this is. They actually included that scene in this movie where they were like, oh, there's something happening on Arrakis. Why aren't we doing anything? Like, <laughs> you're going to get that scene. And in this movie, that scene makes perfect sense because it's focused on this. And it's, I guess it's a, a, con- a contextual thing where the movie's very much focused on the global or galactic scale of what's happening, right? Their main source of transportation, yeah. their main favorite party drug is now being taken away by one dude uh, that this other like house had a bad plan to get rid of. And in the book, that's jarring. Because you're like, well, I'm all in it with the Fremen now. I'm making Fremen friends. Why are we talking about everything on a galactic scale? Pull back in. And in this movie, it was almost like, well, don't worry about what they're doing. Let's focus on this at a galactic scale almost the whole time. Yeah. And, and I guess it's a take. I guess that is a take. And my hope is that the new movie does a better job of not doing that. Well, I could already tell you that they do. Okay, good. So the runtime of the original Dune movie is like two plus hours. This one was two and a half. Two, yeah, two and a I half. I think so. That's, yeah. that's the runtime of the part one. Wow. Um, And part one is from where... Like, from where, you know, the book and the movie begins, kind of, mm-hmm. because the movie kind of puts the beginning of the book in a blender, and you kind of get different parts at different spots. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the 1984 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And the new one, the part one ends after Paul Atreides has his fight with the Furman to be the champion of his mother. Really? That's where it That's ends. where part one ends. So just huh. to give you an idea of two and a half hours of like, these are like, you know, like this is the Atreides and they spend a lot of time is with the Atreides and a lot of time with the Baron. Good. And like a medium amount of with like the mom and the Ben Jesuit and mm-hmm. like they do a scene on the planet where the Emperor's like army is where they're getting ready um and i'm ready for brutal i'm i I am ready for brutal um in this because they show the soldiers getting ready they're all kneeling Mm -hmm. and they're getting this red stuff like water stuff getting put on their forehead Mm -hmm. and the camera pans back and you see like a hillside of people like spread eagle hanging upside down on stone slabs getting drained yeah that's that's from the book yeah, so yeah. I'm ready for just absolute brutal carnage in this book. <laughs> I guess they I guess they couldn't have gone there in 1984. Like I don't I don't think that kind of like that kind of sci-fi certainly wasn't around. And like yeah. that kind of fantasy that like brutalist fantasy or like I don't know, I guess some people call it grim dark fantasy didn't yeah. start happening until it feels like Game of Thrones kind of kicked it off where they're like, you know what draws people into the world? Really, really bad stuff. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess it makes more sense now. I mean, 
look, there was some really good stuff, but I, the one thing I want to bring back is that you liked the inner monologue. Yeah. Because I, the only reason I like the inner monologue, because in, in large parts I don't, because okay. I think that, and maybe it's because I know the book, right? So yeah. I guess I have to ask, did you find the inner monologue helpful? Because for me, sometimes I found it patronizing, where like a sandworm would appear, it is very clearly a sandworm, someone shouts, a sandworm! And then Paul goes, a sandworm, how dangerous a prey this is. And I'm like, right, man, I get that that's a sandworm. And, like, you didn't have to do that. Like, I know I know you're scared. You could tell okay. me with your eyes. So the first time watching the movie was actually very helpful. Okay, good. Okay. The first, that's... because, like, again, I had no knowledge. All, yeah. all, 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 all I knew prior was that Dune was, like, when it comes to like science fiction fantasy or science mm-hmm. fiction, Dune is like the Lord of the Ring trilogy. Like it's it's a bedrock for the genre. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how I've always thought about Dune, even though I never read it. So I knew nothing about it prior to watching the movie. So when I was watching the movie, the inner monologue, like granted, like moments like that were kind of like, you know, redundant a little bit like, Mm -hmm. oh, look at everyone panicking about the sandworm. And after they show everyone panicking about the sandworm, Paul, they focus in on Paul and he he does that, you know, like, oh, dangerous prey. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) But in other moments, yeah, but but, you know, in in. In other moments, it helped. You know what, though? It did give me my favorite thing from this movie. And I will say this unabashedly because I've been doing this to my dog all day. I've just been going, the spice, the spice, the spice melange. I just, I love it. I love it so much. It's just such a silly thing to me. There's no inner monologue in the new Dune. There's no inner monologue in Dune. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying, the new movie has no inner monologue. Does does a raspy character at least utter the phrase, the spice melange, at least once then? Because I will miss that dearly if that's not a thing. I need to, um, I need to rewatch it to find out. Uh, simply because, like, there are, there's a scene in the movie where the doctor comes in to, like, check on him. Mm-hmm. Because he has, like, a vision when they're in the middle of rescuing the fur, uh, the crew from the spice trawler or spice digger yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, and he has his vision and they pull him off and the doctor is telling him how like, uh, he, that, you know, like he just might be sensitive to it, you know, that he just might Got be it. really sensitive to the spice and whatever. And he walks out and Paul just looks at his mom and goes, I'm not allergic to spice. And I was really waiting for him to end that with mom. I'm not allergic to spice, mom. Like I was really waiting for that mom, mom part to yeah. come out of like the end. But I mean, I, I sent you a meme uh, that said that uh, the best way to summarize Dune um, is that it it answers the question of how much cocaine you need to do before you become religious. Yep, yep, yep. Or that, or no, no, it was that, or it was that, um, it proves that everyone has a certain amount of drugs they can do before they become God or, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, watching it and seeing his reaction, I'm like, yeah, no, I yeah. totally get that. That's basically what's happening here. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. <laughs> so I need to know one of my favorite parts of the Dune book, Okay. was 
the doctor that spoilers for dune in yeah. general sorry whatever uh is the doctor that betrayed the atreides house right yeah because they really they it, it shows like a glimpse of like really great writing mm-hmm. and it shows where like frank herbert like really really understood like this is a good story to tell because he did could have just been like haha i was harking in all along and he could have, like floated away or something like that but he had a really <laughs> sad backstory to go along with it and like a really relatable cause yeah and and specifically him going, yeah, I want the Harkonnens dead as much as you do. I'm betraying you because I have to for my family. But by the way, I can, I can throw a little F you into this. Here's a poison pill or a poison yeah. tooth. Like, I love that plot line. I think that plot line's incredible. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorite parts of the book. Is that done justice in the new movie? Because honestly, in the 84 movie, I think they do him dirty. I, you get that that's what happens. But he's just like real quick. He's like, my family's in danger. Here's a tooth. I'm not a bad guy. Goodbye. Like, that's kind of how it goes. It's kind of the same thing. Okay. But but they do absolutely everything to show that, like, everything that he could have possibly done to help the uh, to help Paul and his mom survive and get away the doctor does okay so like even though they don't go really into the backstory any more Mm -hmm. than what the 1984 movie did Mm -hmm. they definitely do more of like well you know he you know it's like uh um he told them where to go he sabotaged things he marked stuff so that they could see it you know like his symbol um he made sure that they had like a survival kit and like all of this other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, so th- 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 they don't really get into the backstory of it, but they definitely make it obvious that like, he's doing it to save his wife and he's doing absolutely everything he can to save the life of Paul and his mom. Got it. That he's actually make, like uh, on their side and he's really trying here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the one thing, this is, this is kind of turning into a show about the differences between the old and new movie and whatever. That's fine. I don't care. (laughs) Um, so one of the things that they do in 84 that I don't know if they do in the book yet, because I haven't gotten that far and that they don't do yet in the, uh, and, and that's not in Dune part one. Okay. Is when the one, uh, Harkaren? Harkaren. Harkonnen. I'm yeah. never going to get that right. It's all right. Uh, is like in the movie, he drinks this stuff and he's like, I I drink this stuff to speed the mind. The stain on the lips is a warning. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he's a, uh, oh, what is he? That he's a. Uh... He's like a scientist or something. Yeah. What is that? Hold on. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, because, like, in the movie, he's in this pod, and he's floating mm-hmm. through the city, or this, like, weird underworld Coruscant-looking thing. Not croissant, Coruscant. Hey, I wonder if that's where George Lucas got the name of Coruscant I'm, I'm like, 99% sure. Okay, I, anyway. I think he just took notes from this movie. He's a okay. mentat, is what it means. He's a mentat. Um, so, like, the scientist drinks the stuff, and he recites this saying or prayer. 
mm-hmm. of like, you know, like it helps the mind to make the mind quick, but it stains the lips as a warning. Mm-hmm. And like his lips and a few other people's lips are like stained black. Like it almost looks like really bad, like herpes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> in in eighty four, at least in the new movie, they don't have that scene huh. because that scene happens early on in in eighty four. Yeah, it does. Um, but the character that I think that that who that is in the part one in the new movie. He just has a tiny little black lipstick line in the center of his bottom lip. Adorable. But I don't, but I mean, granted too, like, he has no hair on his face. Um, so, like, he still looks really weird. But he doesn't look like he has blisters all over his bottom lip either. Apparently to, yeah, so it's more, I guess it's more in line with the book. I'm reading it now. It's more in line with this uh, to have it like the, the 1984 one. Okay. And in this one, it says uh, the stained lip or stained center of the lower lip uh, is it. Okay. And apparently he is in Dune. Uh, he's in the, the 2001 adaptation, but it's in a deleted scene that you see him. Oh, there's a 2001 adaptation. Oh, 2021 is what I meant. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. just lopped 20 years off of that. And the 2021 adaptation. Yeah. It's a deleted scene where you see him doing that. Basically, in the lore of it, these people drink this juice that's supposed to enhance their mental powers. They're people called Mentats. And they're basically this, like, you'll notice, this is supposed to be the future. There are no computers. Mm -hmm. These people are the replacement for computers. Okay. The Mentats. So that's, I guess it might become a plot point in the second one. I have no idea. Yeah, see, Dune and Star Wars... I kind of put them into the same category when it comes... I mean, granted, they're both science fantasy. They're both science fiction fantasy. Mm-hmm. But there's a different category that I have, and that's like a plateau tech... Uh, of, um, a, a plateauing of tech, of technology, where yeah. I feel like the, the universe that Dune is in and the universe that Star Wars is in have both plateaued uh on technology wise mm-hmm. and that's why like droids in star wars like you you can come across a droid in star wars that's 2000 years old that looks more advanced than like a brand new droid that comes off uh an assembly line um or like starfighters like i mean like may, may may shields be a little better may the weapons be a little better yeah but the tech used by the average person living on a farm or living in the city in star wars the technology really hasn't changed in like a thousand two thousand years so like technology is plateaued and i feel like in dune it's been like that for generations where it like because of like spice it. and because of these you know druggy computer people <laughs> best way, way to, put, to it. put it good way to put it um that technology is like plateaued mm-hmm. um yeah and that's fair do you think that's realistic though so like knowing knowing like how you think the world or how the world works like now like do you think that humans would ever be like all right look guys it's 2024 we did it we've done technology high fives all around everyone's driving a tesla until eternity I feel like that would only happen. Like, I, I feel like a technology plateau 
would only happen if at the end of at um, under two situations. Mm-hmm. One is that uh, the dark ages start up again and any type of scientific advancement or experiment is outlawed. Okay. And in which case every, everything rev- reverts back to what the oldest generation or the generation in power would consider to be the right way of doing things. And so then there would be a decrease in tech. And if, and if then that holds and no one knows how to carry on or advance technology anymore, then things just plateau and stay that way until that crumbles and something new comes out of it. So that's one situation. And then there's the second situation where science has evolved technology to a point where like, you know, like a hydrogen collider or, you know, being able to figure out hydrogen fusion, um, you know, uh, how how to harness a black hole, like all of that stuff has been done and we Mm -hmm. can do it. And there's really nothing else we can study or do because we physically cannot create the machinery to measure what the next step would be. I think what to do. I think of the two that you'd mentioned, I think I totally buy the first one a lot more than I buy the second one. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about Dune is that like, in regards to humans, you know, not having the capability or the resources to do it, I think we'll always try to find a way. And I think that like, inventions will come out that are incremental steps into the thing and it might take thousands of years to get to the thing but i don't think that we would stop in that case but the one thing i like about dune in its world is that it's kind of anti-capitalism in a way or at least it certainly feels like it where there's this like ruling class that's very rich off the backs of these people who are very much oppressed on a planet and part of the plot is to give the control of the resource back to the people who are actually there and actually own, or at least historically own that resource. And Dune universe feels like the kind of place where the rich ruling class would be like, ah, 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 we're done. We're done. We're making plenty of money here, guys. No more. No more. We're done. And just would halt technology for thousands of years because, you know, we we're good. This is it. This is, we're all making money. Don't worry about everyone else. We're fine. And if you don't like yeah. it, here's some spice. Um, yeah, which I'm sitting here thinking about. Wow, this definitely sounds like the American West during. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this definitely sounds like the American West with uh, um, Manifest Destiny. Um, oh yeah, wow, our wow, our history can be dark. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're talking to someone who's in the UK right now. Dark history is what we do, man. Y- yeah, <laughs> true. Just... <laughs> Take a walk down to a museum. You'll, Any you'll of them. see it. All of them, in fact. <laughs> oh, there are some there are uh, some museums you can go into where they're like like very obviously just just missing a few years. Don't worry about what happened at that point. Don't worry yeah. about it. It was great. Yeah. Um. No, that's bad. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So. Um. Yeah. No. That. That. I. I feel like almost every science. Almost everything science fiction is either, I wouldn't say anti-capitalist, but definitely like, um, uh, 
like warning against the dangers of capitalism like not necessarily saying that it's like you know like not anti but like i'm speaking generally across the board from many different stories not like one particularly because this one is like this is definitely like anti-capitalist like you've got a ruling class that collects the majority of the profits hoards it for themselves become super powerful while the majority of everyone else to make a living has to work for one of these you know really wealthy individuals Mm -hmm. or families um and just how bad that is for the actual people on arrakis yeah well, um, so I know yeah. I know several people. I've been talking to a lot of people about, like, do you read? Because I read all the time. I love reading. And I'll run into people that'll go, well, I only really read, like, biographies or autobiographies mm-hmm. or, like, self-help books because there's, there's, that's where I see the value. There's little value in fiction. And it's one of my, like, biggest passions that there absolutely is value in fiction, especially in things that are seen as like frivolities, like science, fantasy, science fiction and fantasy, because that's why science fiction and fantasy get written. It's to reflect back something that they're seeing in the real world and holding up a, to continue the mirror metaphor, I guess, hold up the reflection of the thing and go, isn't this really bad? It's really <laughs> bad when the elves treat the dwarves this way. Now, hold on, hold on. Switch elves and dwarves for something in your world. Do you get where I'm going with it? And it's the same stuff, right? Like, trade out the Fremen for any suppressed class. Trade out the Harkonnens for any major secession-level family. Like, it's the same stuff. And it's it's all making the same points as a book that would go, In 1984, the railroads were primarily from Andrew Carnegie. Like, it's making (laughs) the same points, but it's doing it in a different way. And it's so hard for people to immediately see that. But that's why I love science fiction and fantasy, because it could be brave in ways that you can't be brave and say these things out loud in ways you can't usually say them. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, and that's why I'm getting into it, because I'm realizing that I like it. And it's (laughs) something that, I mean, it's something that I've always liked with movies Mm -hmm. and TV shows. And that's one of the reasons why I've always liked sci-fi, because it's a very easy genre to be able to again hold that mirror up and say, "Hey, maybe this isn't such the, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Yeah. Like maybe we should look at it a little bit differently." And one of my favorite things so far in in uh, that shown in '84 and that shown in Dune Part One, um, and I haven't really gotten to any of this in the book yet, so I've, mm-hmm. I've got to see how you know how I've got to see how, how the source material does it. Um, is you've got like the galactic emperor is working with the harkonnens hark harkonnens for some reasons like my brain goes it has an h sound at the beginning and ends in horns i'm like no it doesn't end in horns and then i don't know how to pronounce it like that's how my brain like get like does that but anyway so you've got like the emperor and the rest of the houses with them and then you got the atreides that wants to go down and like do things differently and be like hey look Furman, like this is your planet we're here to mine the spice so how about if we work something out that's mutually beneficial i want to give you your freedom but you know we have to be here you know to mine the spice but at the same time we want to respect your beliefs and your land so can we work something out and just that mindset is seen to be so dangerous 
and that the Galactic Emperor knew that that's what the Atreides would do. And so that's why they wanted to wipe them out um, because of that mindset, because they were afraid that that was going to perforate across the whole un- uh, uh, across the whole known universe, as they say in this. Um, and they didn't want that spreading. And I can't tell you how many TED Talks, how, how, uh, how, uh, how many uh, uh, moth events, um, and just how many seminars I've heard and interviews I've heard of billionaires, millionaires, C, uh, um, and CEOs recently start to open up about, hey, uh, the way that we've thought things should be, d- be done since like the early 70s is kind of coming back to bite us right now, and we need to rethink this. And they're starting to wake up to the idea of, like, maybe things are good on Wall Street and for, like, the major shareholders and, like, the people that own these mega, mega companies, but literally everyone else is struggling, and and, and if we don't do anything soon, uh, the pitchforks are going to be coming for us. Yeah, so you... Oh, you're so topical right now. I love it. So first off, I didn't go into this conversation expecting to come out of it loving Dune this much. I, <laughs> I read Dune. I've listened to the audiobook. I've now watched the 1984 thing. I thought it was just fine. I thought, you know, I'll interact with it every once in a while. This conversation might have turned me on Dune. I might love Dune now. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is to, to talk about your point with these, these CEOs coming out to directly reflect what the Galactic Emperor and the Harkonnens were doing. Today, or like yesterday, I saw this today, Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Gurner, the CEO of the Gurner Group, just came out and said that he would be more comfortable if there was about 40 to 60% unemployment in America because people need to understand that it's not what can you do for, like what, it's not what, how can your company benefit from you as a worker it's how are you how is the company benefiting from you and not how are you benefiting from the company basically yeah and and people need to understand that that you're a small cog in the machine of the company it's not something that should be helping you and that's exactly the emperor's point in in dealing with the atreides is well no the fremen need to understand that they're there for us to take the spice from they're yeah. not there to benefit from our our rule at all yeah. And that stuff is still happening. And this is why I love sci-fi. And this is why I love fantasy. And this is why I read these things so fast and so yeah. much because it's so easy to just make this, this parallel between what's happening in the real yeah. world. And, what, and, and when you have someone like a galactic emperor like saying these things, it sounds evil and dastardly. But then when you have some guy in like a smart business suit on stage saying these things and underneath it's like, blah, 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 tech genius, it's easy to go, wow, what a smart way to look at the world. Yeah. Like, it's the exact, like, and this is one of those. Ooh. Spicy. Mm. This is, yeah, spice. That's spice. This is one of of those things that, like, people bring up and then people kind of wash off and be like, oh, well, no, like, it's just, you've got to, you know, like, oh, no, that guy's right. And you, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, it's like, then you just need to find something different. It's like, hang, hang on a second. The Furman, the, the Furman on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. 
lived there, were fine. The spice, they knew about it. It was part of their culture. Mm-hmm. People found out it could be used for intergalactic travel, so they started mining it. And by force, by greater tech tech that the firming could have developed on their own, but they decided that they didn't need it, used that advanced technology to basically subdue them and mm-hmm. put them into... Slavery is too... Yeah, you know, like use some of them for slavery, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is which is a harsh way to put it. I I I I w- will admit, and then the rest of them into hiding because yeah. there's no other way for them to really like live. They can't live off the land because the land keeps on getting taken away from them. I mean, it's exactly right. I mean, that's why they're literally and, living in caves. Yeah. And where uh, and where that parallels, you know, here in in our world is that we've developed a system where if anyone wants to have any type of comfortable, you know, living mm-hmm. with modern technology, is they need to become a cog in a machine. And mm-hmm. I don't care. People can bring up the exception to the rule all they want about someone who dropped out of high school and became a tech billionaire or someone that in their mid forties decided to quit their dead end job and start a business and, you know, became a millionaire. Those, 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 those things happen. It takes resources and that's great. But the majority of people on the planet wind up as cogs in a machine because it's, just the way it goes. Ooh, we They're not going to become millionaires. <laughs> They're yeah. not going to become billionaires. It's just the way they are. I'm a small cog in a big machine. I've said on this show before about my philosophy about my life. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Because I don't care if anyone knows of me or heard of me a generation after I pass away. I mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And, but if you don't want to be a cog in a machine mm-hmm. and you're not lucky enough to become one of those exceptions to the rules, then you've got to find a lot of land out somewhere that's that, you know, hasn't been taken by the government, hasn't been bought up by a corporation, um, hasn't been turned into a uh, hasn't been turned into a national park and hunt and gather and build your own shelter and live that way completely off the grid. And that is getting harder and harder and yeah. harder as the years go by. And that's where, you know, a lot of these people that I've heard talk about, you know, hey, we maybe we need to kind of change our thinking a little bit here mm-hmm. and get into like, you know, yeah, a welfare state isn't really, you know, a, a lot of people kind of frown at the idea of a, um, as of a welfare state. But if the only way to keep a stable society, like, like a like a stable society going Mm -hmm. as in like to keep schools open to keep grocery stores open to keep uh to keep people safe and happy and not have them rioting in in the street because of food prices Mm -hmm. um yeah we're gonna have to do some things that we've been you know like uh railing against since the reagan administration Mm -hmm. um and I hear about these people and I look them up and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. You know, these people work there. And then I'll look these people up later and they're like, I can't find them anywhere. Oh, no, <laughs> I know. I know they're not dead. I know they haven't been knocked off, but it's almost like they're falling on their own sword. 
Mm -hmm. Like saying, hey, we need to kind of step back a little bit. Because, I mean, seriously, like, like the reason why Atreides, they got rid of Atreides was because they were going to do exactly what the, you know, the rest of the families didn't want to happen. So here's... Here's the thing that I think is so interesting. Science fiction always goes with politics. It does. Always does. They're interconnected. That's that's why I like it, though. That's why I appreciate it. But here's the thing that I think is so interesting, is that Dune even admits that it doesn't have the answer. So the answer to the Fremen, or for the Fremen, is to rally around Paul, use, like, elevate him to what will later be called Messiah level, if you look at books off to your right, uh, will later, will later like rise to that occasion and then if i understand what the next few books are about it's basically about the dangers of doing that we're like yeah making one person the whole center of your culture isn't a smart thing at all and it's interesting that like while dune is pointing out problems in society it's also not saying yeah but i also have all the answers i get it just do these eight things like just make this teen from i don't know i guess he'd be from like belgium if he came over to america Make this yeah. Belgian team the center of your culture. Yeah, well, that's where, um, that's where again, reality and this parallels. In Dune Part 1, there's a scene where Paul has a vision of the future past the war on Dune. Yeah. And he sees, like, you know, uh, he calls them religious zealots. Um, yeah. uh uprising around the universe taking down all of the other houses under the atreides banner and he freaks out and he's like no 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 this is wrong this can't happen a bunch of religious zealot freaks they're they're flying our flag and this Mm -hmm. is horrible and and he he has the natural right reaction to it Mm um and which is funny because what happens when, and this is textbook, just you know, I on on the on, on, on the college classes I took, on the research that I did in those classes, on the papers that yeah. I wrote to just looking up, you know, studies and this and that done. Like when capitalism starts to fail, which Dune mm-hmm. is an anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. has themes in it. Um, there are two things that happen. Religious fundamentalism mm-hmm. overtakes it, or fascism pops up mm. and becomes the guardrails for capitalism. That's fair. Either, either, either one of those two things happen, and and in Dune, it's the religious uprising. Yeah, that happened where the Baron and the Emperor were trying to create the fascist. Uh, uh, bowling bumpers yep. <laughs> to keep the ball rolling down the uh, t- uh, t- to keep the ball rolling down the, the uh, bowling lane, um, and that's that's where it goes. This is, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I am super excited to really get into this book and finish it because, like I said, from watching these two movies, that's where this is where my mind is on what this movie means for me. It's, I'm not sure if that's what the author had in mind, but that's how I read, that's how I understand the themes in both movies mm-hmm. under this under the current political climate that's going on in the country that I'm in. No, you'll get you'll 
at least I got something relatively similar from the books, but only through this conversation did we put such a fine point on it <laughs> to the point where I'm almost having like a RoboCop moment now with this, where like <laughs> I almost wanted to come in and be like, there's too many words. I started out, there's too many words yeah. in this and, and there's too much whispering. And now I'm like, oh, do I like this? I probably like well, this. Okay, so we're about an hour, so yeah. let's get into that. Yes, the whispering is silly. Um, it would be great if they could have used, like, instead of saying, like, the Ben Generate, say, yeah. like, I don't know, the Galactic Nuns or the Emperor's Nuns or the Star <laughs> Nuns, you know, like, yeah. something simple. Um, it was the Goob Jabber, the Gob Jabber, the Gum Jabar. Thing, the, the Gun Jabar. I'm sorry, but it sounds too much like gum it sounds too much like a candy like the like a, you know, like a jawbreaker yeah or yeah. you know like a like a like a let's see the gum jabar uh a you know like a gum bar or, or you know like a, a, a uh something like that like some type of lollipop thing like that's yeah. what i think of whenever i hear that like there are a lot of made-up names in this they throw them at you all at once and you're like this is really confusing. I don't know what any of this stuff means, but when you watch the movies, you get the visuals. Yeah. And like, oh, okay, the Ben Jarrett, they're dressed like a Catholic nun if they were witches. Okay, so they're like space nun witches. Okay, perfect. Which isn't wrong. Which isn't wrong at all. Um, I will and, say, the, yeah. the, the test that they do with Paul, with that gum jabar with his hand in the box, Yeah. I loved the way that was done in this movie loved it where yeah. it like showed his skin like peeling off and like mm-hmm. like it it really put you in the mindset of what he was going through where like in the book it like i don't think it was as intense in the book and i really like the way this was depicted so you're yeah. right they they do depict a few of these things really well i think my biggest one is probably i hate i hate that anything anything is called the weirding way yeah call, <laughs> call it anything else it sounds like it's yeah. from like it sounds like it's from mary poppins yeah. Yeah. No, I mean uh, the weirding way. One of the other, uh, uh, there's a couple cool sequences in the movie mm-hmm. uh, in '84 um, when Paul's uh, going through his training and the weird robot multi-arm thing lowers yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah, that was cool. Um, the depiction of how big the galactic ships are that mm-hmm. take in all of the smaller ships. That was cool. Um, And then everything else is just, like, mentally in, in, interesting. Like, not really, like, oh, my God, spectacular, but just, like, huh, this is this is really creative, and I appreciate it. It, it, it's, it was the writing and the directing style that makes it cornball-y. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, especially the, the adaptation part of it made it cornball-y. And then just some of the choices, man. Like, I read the book... There's a scene, and I, I don't mean to be crass about this, but like, there's a couple of scenes where just like a butthole flapping, and like, yeah, I've read the book. I still don't know what that is. I get that it's from like the Space Guild, like I get that. Yeah, but like, man, go for anything else. Like, mm-hmm. make that look. Do they make it look like that in the new movie? Uh, what you mean the giant ship? Yeah, it looks. It's just a giant cylinder. Okay, good. It's just a giant, like, at first I was like, is that like a solid tube? Like, 
like it is in 84. Yeah. And then they do a shot from like the front kind of off center. And it's mm. like, no, it's a pipe. It's a literal pipe. Got it. Okay. Um, so, you know, uh, so, so there's that. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of good visuals in the 1984 one for, uh, for its time. The, the new one though, I highly recommend it. Just, yeah. just don't have any expectations for it because I hate giving people, like, sure. oh man, it's great. And then you go, but then you don't like the same type of stuff that I like. So it kind of like falls flat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so just go into it and just see how much stuff is similar to the book. Like go into it with that mindset. And I guarantee that, that you'll come out with it going, that's better than I thought it was originally. Oh, good. I can't wait. Um, are there pine trees on Arrakis in the book? Like no. 20 special pine trees. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. In the, in the complex that yeah. the uh, that the I mean that the Atreides live in, they yeah. have like a garden, and it is a big deal that they have this garden because it literally shows them not wasting, but essentially wasting water that could otherwise go to people in need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's in the movie. Oh, cool. That's fun. Okay. So I just yeah. So like, there's the uh, the new movie also does some things that the book does and i feel like that's a theme yeah for any adaptation for dune you have to start the movie off with who are these people what what why are they dressed like that why does that person have a fishbowl on their head i don't understand any of this and then eventually you understand it. yeah (laughs) yeah that's most of dune is i gotta get through this part that i don't understand to get i mean and that is a genuine style of writing there's a couple of fantasy series that i know of that like they throw you in the middle, and it's sink or swim, man. You either understand what's happening or know that you will understand what that scene meant much, much later, or mm-hmm. you're just not going to – you're going to bounce right off of this thing. Okay. And Dune is like that. Okay, so I'm going to leave it with this. Yeah. The most disgusting thing on film, the most disgusting character, uh, person pers- – Personality-wise, mm-hmm. physically-wise, the most disgusting thing ever on in cinema history is the Baron character from 1984, The Dune. <laughs> he was like labyrinth gross. Like he was like gross, but not that bad. Uh, he the scene where he pulls the heart plug out on the guy messing with the daffodils, yeah, and everything, yeah. That's what did it for me. That's one of those things where it's like, it didn't gross me out where I couldn't look at the screen. It was more like psychologically gross. And you Like the way that he was like playing with the guy when he did it. One of the things I'll give this movie is I think that the, the, uh, the Baron, mm-hmm. like his performance elevates this, this movie quite a lot. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> he is so into it. Like, and he's not doing it ironically, but he chews the scenery whenever he's in it. Yeah. Like, he's really good at playing that character. Yeah. Um, and then, as a Junk's position, the Baron in the new movie, uh-huh. they use his floating ability yeah. more intimidatingly. So, like, Do where that. the floating Baron in 1984 is more of, like, a joke and kind of, like, a lighthearted comedy yeah. thing that, that they do. 
there is a scene where uh, the Duke of Atreides is like uh, drugged and sitting at the end of a table, uh, at the end of a long table, because, you know, the Baron is there. Yeah. And the Baron's asking him questions while he's eating. And then the camera, like, stops, looks at the Baron, cuts to the camera shot of behind uh, the Duke of Atreides mm -hmm. over his shoulder. And but it's like focused on Atreides, not at the end of the table. Yeah. And the Baron floats up all blurry and then comes across the table uh. with with like the bottom of his dress or gown, like dragging across the table as he's floating over, then floats down and then sits at the end of the table. Oh, wow. Creepy. Awesome shot. That's very but cool. done. Very, very good for like, you know, like. A thriller creepiness scale was like almost a nine on that for me. They definitely went for a different tone. Like I don't yeah. see this guy ever trying to be creepy in that way. Yeah, no. He was this guy's more like, like okay. He reminds me of the penguin from Batman. Yes, that's perfect. it. That's that's perfect. the kind of creepy this guy is. Now, <laughs> hold on. And I then, don't know if you know this, okay. Ryan, but Alan's yeah. in the chat. Yeah, what do you say? Uh, he just went sister act. <laughs> In regards to that, which, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, also, okay. to an earlier conversation, he said, we're all doomed. Which, also, yeah, one of the better puns I could have made off of this. Okay. Um, <laughs> I liked it. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm trying to process it at the moment. Um, and then my favorite person that they got for this, besides mm -hmm. Sir, 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 uh, uh, Sir, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was Sting. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Nothing. Okay, so again, I told you one of my favorite moments of this mm -hmm. is Patrick Stewart holding the French Bulldog as he's leading his soldiers into battle. Yeah. My second fav 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 favorite scene is Sting overacting the look of being seductive <laughs> in his gray underwear looking at the Baron. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that is a really good scene and then that's all i have to say about dune for this conversation there's a lot more that can be said about paul atreides younger sister how she's depicted in yeah. 1984 um we could talk about uh uh how quick the relationship with with, 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 with his girlfriend is yeah um we could get into a lot of other stuff but there's just too much to talk about so that's what we hit on that's yep. this conversation's natural it just naturally evolved that's, mm -hmm. that's what we do here so again we are you have to watch this podcast uh we're normally on on Tuesdays at uh, at 6 p.m. live here on YouTube, but you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and then we eventually uh, release a couple days later. We uh, release all of our live shows as audio podcasts, and you can find them literally anywhere. Uh, and we are part of the Rum Runners Network, uh, so if you go to their website, you'll find our site. Um, so yeah, uh, Devin, do you have anything else? No man, that was it. This was this was great. I you converted me, I think. I, I I came out with a much better appreciation of this after having this chat. This is what I Good. this is why I like what we do. This is why I like this. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Um so uh we don't really know what's going to happen next week. This was technically my pick. Um and Jesus, if Alan's next. And, 
And if that's what it is, that's what it is. And then Allen's next. So we we uh, we will get out at some point um, what movie's going to be next week. Or it just might be a surprise. A few days before the show, we might put up a meme and then you know what movie we're doing. <laughs> and if that's the case, that's how we do it. Surprise. So there we go. Um, but anyway, uh, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And... Despise. Despise. <laughs> it's the best part. It's the best part. It is. Bye, everyone. <laughs>